0: Welcome to The Wall of Soundtrack, a show where we discuss the music and soundtracks behind the very best TV shows and motion pictures. In this episode, we're going to be analyzing and discussing the music and soundtrack behind Menom Golems, arm wrestling, and sports drama film, Over the Top. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Orange Line Condo. If you're in the market for a condo in the DC metro area, you have to go with Orange Line Condo. Realtor Sean Battle has over 15 years of selling properties and is licensed in both the D.C. and Virginia area with Century 21 Redwood Realty. Sean has also been a top producer with the National Association of Realtors annually since 2005 and has been awarded yearly Century 21's Top Agent Awards for sales and quality service. Sean is also not only a good friend of mine, but he is a great guy and a realtor that is in your corner. If you are in the market for real estate, don't hesitate. Call Sean Battle now and get your dream home. For more information and to schedule an initial consultation, visit www.orangelinecondo.com or call 703-999-8108. That's 703-999-8108. Hey guys, just a quick few updates. I've released a new episode of the BrewTune podcast where I pair Marilyn Hard Rocker's Clutch with their signature beer, the New Belgium Clutch Lips of Faith Dark Sour Ale, So be sure to check that episode out. I will also be releasing a new episode of the Wallace Soundtrack Podcast, where Cy and I analyze and dissect the music and soundtrack behind James Gunn's Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Be on the lookout for that episode coming your way. Over the Top is an arm wrestling sports drama film that was released in 1987. The film was directed by Menahem Golan, and the screenplay was written by both Sylvester Stallone and Sterling Siliphant. The story surrounds truck driver Lincoln Hawk, played by Sylvester Stallone, who has an arm-wrestling side hustle. Lincoln rekindles a relationship with his son Michael Hawk after his mother unfortunately passes away. Together they travel the country and attend an arm-wrestling championship, while Michael's uncle, played by Robert Loggia, does everything in his power to break the bond and bring the boy back. The film also had a cast of renowned actors, actresses, and professional athletes, including the following. Sylvester Stallone as Lincoln Hawk, Robert Loggia as Michael Hawk's uncle, Jason Cutler, Susan Blakey as Lincoln Hawk's wife, Christina Hawk, professional arm wrestler Rick Zumwalt as Bob Bull Hurley, David Mendenhall as Lincoln Hawk's son, Michael Hawk, and professional wrestler Terry Funk as Rucker. My returning guest for this discussion is Cy Shackelford. Sai is a writer for the entertainment and commentary website Action A Go Go. You can follow his articles on the website www.actionagogo.com, and you can also follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at house 83 Sai and I had a blast doing this episode, and uh, we hope you enjoy it as well. Here's my discussion with Sai on the music and soundtrack behind Menem Golems, arm wrestling, and sports drama film over the top. Hi, Thanks for joining me again. Good to be back. Good to be back and happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays to you. So, uh, you know, what's new? Well, with me
1: personally, um, with Action to go the last thing we did really was post our podcast that you and I did for Manhunter. And for me personally, I'm doing my top annual top 10 hip-hop album review list that on New Year's Eve, I'm going to tag you and a whole bunch of other people in to argue, complain, praise, etc. But
0: just spark discussion. Nice, nice. So uh who what are some of those albums that are gonna be in there?
1: I'll sell you some, but not in which order they're they're in. Um Let Love by Common, um, what else? Uh May the Lord Watch by Little Brother, uh, uh what's it called? What Would Sheen Gun Do by Griselda, their Shady Records latest signing, they're from Buffalo. And Aesop Rocks and Tobacco's album, um what's it called? Uh, Malibu
0: Ken. Okay now the common album that is that mm-hmm. now is that one that you think is you think that's one, that that's one that's like really it was better than i thought because the last common album that i thought was dope came out in
1: 2011 it was the uh the dreamer slash the believer album that made my top 10 list that year but every year after that his album's like nobody's smiling um what was the one that came out last before that black america again they were critically acclaimed, but they didn't really move me. I didn't really, I didn't really get into them as much as I thought I would, given that it's common. But this one, I think he's back to form.
0: I mean, do you think he's as fo- focused on his hip hop stuff now? He's now that he's doing like more acting, or
1: that that that's what I make note of in my review because a lot of the album, really, especially his, story te- his storytelling tracks, they're very cinematic, and I think a lot of that comes from. And mind you, he knew how to tell a story within a hip hop narrative before that. A rhyme a story all the way through like testify from his 2005 album b but i think being an actor and being more having more work with that it's helped him a lot in his lyrics and when he wants to tell a story and adding more detail uh, plot structure um, twist endings etc
0: gotcha gotcha um so uh you know have you seen any new movies lately or
1: i uh what did i see last the irishman of course everybody saw that on thanksgiving day yeah yeah on netflix people complain i like the, i like the performances in the film like pacino especially seeing al pacino in a scorsese flick for the first time uh de niro it was good to see him joe pesci he, he brought him out of retirement somehow and in this film he goes against he goes against the type that he usually plays in a scorsese film he's more he was more subdued quiet the reasonable guy yeah and and other than that though um the one thing I hear the mo- the biggest complaint I'm hear about that film is that it's three and a half hours long. And yeah, it is. But the Godfather and the Godfather Part Two, both of those were were over almost hit the three and a half hour mark each of them. But I think the difference is those films were a lot more interesting. They weren't bloated, didn't drag on in certain parts like the Irishman did.
0: Yeah, it's it's really long. I mean, you know, I was um, I still like, haven't finished it totally. I didn't
1: uh, I didn't finish it the first day I saw it. I was falling asleep in certain parts. Yeah. Then I had to devote a day where it's like, okay, you're gonna watch this film, but press pause and take bathroom breaks and lunch breaks if you have to.
0: Yeah, really. Um, you know, one one other thing I noticed is it's it's really more of like a history lesson. I feel like.
1: And like uh, trying to fill in the gaps about what happened to Jimmy Hoffa because my generation and most people I know that have heard of Jimmy Hoffa they just say, oh yeah, that's the labor guy who disappeared. But it's like, how did he disappear though? What really happened? I think yeah. this, this film tries to show like what really happened. And, like, uh, it's it's speculative, I think, because no one really knows. I mean, they said it's based on Ed Sheeran, the, the title Irishman's book that he wrote saying that he killed Jimmy Hoffa. But who really knows?
0: Yeah. I think it was called, like, I Paint Houses.
1: Yeah, which was a secondary title of the film and a line used in the film. And you really, that's a euphemism for I kill people.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what was really interesting about that film? Something I noticed, a small little detail, was that uh, in um, – there's a scene where Frank goes and he's goes down to actually Jacksonville surprisingly. Uh, mm-hmm. and he like, he drops off a truck. Oh yeah. Or it may be, maybe Baltimore. It was Baltimore. Sorry. Um, I stand corrected, but, uh, he may, he meets a guy called David Ferrier and David, uh, Ferrier was, um, or Fer, Ferrier. I can't say his name, but actually, um, when, uh, Pesci's doing the, uh, the voiceover, mm-hmm he um he actually plays that character David Ferrier, and in JFK really yeah he oh. actually played that character because Ferrier was like known to like run guns to the to the Cubans uh-huh. and and it's kind of cool I was like damn that's like a like it's just something I realized it, and it kind of blew my mind you know
1: the guy with the ears is that what they called him in the film
0: yeah, or, or no, no, it was um, or his head or something. Yeah, he was like the guy where he pulls up to, uh, he pulls up to into Baltimore in the port of Baltimore, and he's like uh, the first guy he sees, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You'll you'll see a guy named Ferrier." He's like, and that's David Ferrier, the guy that was like you you know Pesci plays in, in JFK. JFK, and uh, man, Pesci was so good in that.
1: Yeah, he was. He was. It's he's been in retirement for a long time. I'm surprised they even got him out for this. Yeah. Do you know why he was in like retirement or? I don't know. I mean, I guess he didn't want to he made enough money and didn't want to have to do any work. I guess it's like it's like Bill Murray. Bill Murray. He just comes out whenever the hell he wants to. He really doesn't have to do nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I it, He's he's another guy. It's like he's kind of a little I don't know. he's a li- he's a great actor, but I mean, he has to be he's kind of a little strange. I find like he's yeah. a little he's a little different.
1: Yeah. yeah I, I think to be an actor, you got to be a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah I like the movie you know like I think uh I really want to do uh, an episode on the soundtrack because uh Oh
1: that that'd be it be almost as long as Casino but it'd be <laughs> worth it.
0: We may, we may not be able to cover all the songs
1: like one film one one related film that I've been wanting to see and this is <laughs> this is surprising uncut gems the Adam Sandler movie.
0: Oh yeah I saw like that's um that's coming out soon right?
1: Either it's I know it's already out uh, my brother told me he saw it when I spoke to him on Christmas day. Okay, yeah, he said it was real good. I mean, Sandler can act when he wants to, no doubt, yeah, but this is like a some New York City crime drama kind of thing or whatever, but and that and that's what I like about it. I want to see him go against type.
0: no, no, the movie's about was it like gambling or something or
1: gambling. I think the dudes a, I think Sandler plays like a jewel, a jewelry store owner or whatever, okay, and he runs afoul of a bunch of criminals that want to use his shop for like laundering or other kind of criminal purposes i I guess that's that's what i that's what I surmise from it,
0: yeah. And that's, like, more of a serious role for him, right? Because he's usually just doing comedy films.
1: Yeah, screwball comedy films of his own production, directing and writing. I mean, they're usually funny to me. Yeah. Yeah, but he's he's had, like, a few serious roles before, like uh, Punch Drunk Love and uh, Rain Over Me. That was probably his most serious role.
0: Okay. He's always got the same guys in his film, you know, like Rob, is it Rob Schneider. or Rob Schneider,
1: uh, Steve Buscemi.
0: yeah. <laughs> and Steve is a great actor. I mean, he,
1: he's he's fun in anything he does.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, we're doing this 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 soundtrack for Over the Top. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, he's a, he's epic man. He's writer <laughs> director. Did Did you see uh, the Rambo new Rambo film? Did that come out? Rambo or? number five. I don't. Was it Last Blood? Yeah, I
1: saw the trailer for it. I don't know if it actually came out. But even in seeing the trailer for it, I'm like, why? Yeah. Why what can what can John Rambo do now? He's he's damn near 80. Yeah. I mean Rocky Balboa, that I get. I mean the dude's a tra- the dude just stays in the background as a trainer now. Yeah. But John Rambo? Nah. And even the 4th Rambo that came out in 2008. I was skeptical about that, but when I saw it it was like, "Okay. Okay, you just hit the mark. You just hit the mark."
0: Yeah. That was super violent, right?
1: Ultra violent. More violent than the previous Rambos actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know what was it was funny? I was watching a uh, uh, Howard Stern interview with Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. and he was talking about um, you know like how people don't realize that he's like a writer director, and that how uh, First Blood was like this like three hour movie where uh, like he's running around and he's like uh, you know doing all this crazy stuff in the woods and yeah. uh, you know saying all these kind of stupid things like stupid dialogue. So he's like, yeah, I had to like rewrite this. Uh, like three or four times. And he's like, it was a three-hour movie. He's like, then we just cut it down to 90 minutes. And he's like, and it just worked. You know, It, it
1: did work. First Blood was dope. I mean, for, for most of the film you're trying to figure out why these guys keep attacking him. In and and this whole film, it could have been avoided if Brian Dennehy had stopped being a prick and just let that motherfucker get a bite to eat like he wanted to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I think
1: it... Shit, um, he he's a vet. He's a Vietnam War vet. He should have got a free meal.
0: Yeah, yeah. It shed a, a lot of light on how you know, veterans were mistreated.
1: Yeah, and especially like I think it was a sm- it was an indictment of of a police brutality in small town small town America, and a critique on how American soldiers are treated post Vietnam when they got back. Yeah, As you saw Stallone at the end of the film. They call me baby killer and all bunch of vile crap.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was. Uh, I think you know we the movies like that, and like like you know some of the other epic war films like Platoon definitely we're we're shining more light on on how vets were on what happened there and yeah. what happened and
1: yeah but post-war like like the deer hunter or uh born on the fourth of july yeah, yeah. They, they shine a good light on what happened to american soldiers when they got back here
0: born on the fourth of july man that movie it, that's a tough one to get through but it's really powerful it, film
1: it is powerful yeah almost more powerful than platoon because it shows the after effects of war
0: yeah Oliver Stone, man, that guy's so epic.
1: Yeah, I mean, he and he's a guy that was there, so people knock him for for being like Hollywood's cocaine addicted director, but hey, he's got experience to back up a lot of his films.
0: Yeah. So this film, over the top. I mean, this was like one of Stallone's more serious, like acting roles, kind of coming up.
1: But he knew he knew it was going to be a bomb in the box office because he said no to it several times to the director of Menem Golem. Menem Golan, yeah. He said no several times until they, until they hit his price twenty yeah. million. Like, okay, I'll do it. It's gonna bomb, but I'll do it.
0: Yeah, it was funny. I was watching uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and uh, Jesse Ventura like yeah. came on. And he's like, "Don't ever agree to do a, a film unless the money's right." <laughs> 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 yeah. So I guess, uh, I guess they hit his price, like you said. Yeah, for Sylvester Stallone.
1: Yeah, at that point. Yeah, he could command twenty million a film. Yeah. And it didn't even in the and the movie itself didn't even recoup in the box office at all, neither. <laughs> and, and it got it got critically bashed. I get why it got critically bashed, but at the same time there was good music and like it has all the hallmarks of a Stallone eighties action film. Yeah. A drama, him being a parent, uh action, of course. And and I think this movie really shined a light on the whole arm wrestling. The sport of arm wrestling.
0: Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool, and actually had arm wrestlers in the film. I yeah, mean, real
1: life arm wrestlers.
0: Yeah, and some like WWF, like I think it was uh, what's his name, to- uh, Terry Funk.
1: Yeah, they had Terry Funk as one of the uh, one of the bodyguards for Robert Loggia's character.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then Robert Robert uh, what's it Robert Loggia? Yeah, yeah, he's he's epic. I mean, he was in The Sopranos, mm-hmm.
1: Independence Day, Scarface, Scarface. Yes.
0: Yeah, um, he's he's epic. Like.
1: He was always a fun actor to watch.
0: Yeah. His, 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 I liked his his role in Scarface. And big. Yeah, and big, yeah.
1: Yeah, Scarface is Frank Lopez. Yeah, but at the end when he had him on his knees begging Tony Montana, it's like, what is? Come on, dude. You begging yeah. for your life now when you schooled Tony on the rules of the game? Yeah. But then again, you tried to have him kill. You, you, a, you took a shot at Tony and you missed, so this is what you get.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crash and burn, right? Yep, yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, man, so let's jump into this first song here. Uh, You know, it's done in the opening credits. Uh, It's by Robin Zander in this country, uh, lead singer of Cheap Trick. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh,
1: I I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Um, He's the lead singer of Cheap Trick, and, uh, you know, what's crazy is, like, um, you know, I had to look that up because I was like, who is this guy? Um, But, you know, what's crazy is I saw this band, uh, like, last August. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I saw him with Poison.
1: And they were on the Top Gun soundtrack, too. They sang Mighty Wings.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cheap Trick, yeah. Yeah, so um, that was kind of cool. A little bit of uh, trivia there, but... Um,
1: and speaking of Poison, I just heard one of their songs, uh, Something to Believe In. I heard that sampled in a rap song I recently heard. Okay.
0: Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, this this song, uh, again... Yeah, uh, nice opener. I feel like it it fits well with with the scene and the montage of the mountains and
1: yeah, America pretty much. My a friend of mine when we were talking about the movie, he said the opening song is supposed to like reflect like like a heart, America's heartland, I guess, or blue collar America. Yeah, because it juxtaposes when Lincoln Hawk he's a truck driver, right? Yeah, and he he lives on the road pretty much, like pretty much showers and cleans himself off by, by a water hose and like whatever materials he could use from his truck. Right. And they juxtapose that with uh, who we later, the boy who we later learn is his son. at some upscale military school. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it juxtaposed the American military with a blue collar worker. But you don't know how they're connected until like, what, five minutes later.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like this film is kind of trying to highlight like blue collar America. Like you said, like, you know, Lincoln Hawk is a truck driver. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, the, a real, they don't really disclose why he went on the road to be a truck driver. I mean, he left his wife, didn't divorce his wife, but left her and her son. And the wife understands why he left. She always says he had his
0: reasons. But we never really find out why. What,
1: what specific reasons there were. What's it called? They, he said to his Robert Lozier's character, his father-in-law, he said to him that you were tearing apart. That's why I had to leave. You were yeah. tearing us apart. Yeah. But how so? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the guy's, the guy's an asshole. Yeah, but specifics.
0: Yeah, they didn't really. I, I wish they had kind of went a little, little deeper into that.
1: Yeah, and because and and the kid, the kid, his own child was pretty much poisoned against him by his grandfather. He yeah. spends most of the film, most of the film, I hate you, or crying. And they should have a drinking game for this movie, Andrew. How many
0: times he cries? Yeah,
1: I take a shot of doers for for every time that kid cries.
0: <laughs> doers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he uh, he. There's definitely some cheesy moments. Like yeah, they are. There are plenty of them. Um, and I just think like, you know, the acting by him, like, kid, I forget his name, David Mendenhall. Yeah. He, it just, you know, I mean, you have to, you it's, have to kind of cut him some slack. Cause it's his first movie. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you gotta, you gotta kind of set your expectations at a certain level, right? You
1: got to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When we look at the lyrics here, it says like, cause in this country, our hearts are open. We are free to try again. When we uh, see what will be, what will be again, we will believe. I feel like that's kind of a theme in the movie, you know, he, Stallone's trying to kind of rekindle his uh, relationship
1: with his son, and yeah. and win this arm wrestling uh, competition as well too. Yeah, like he does both, and he succeeded.
0: Yeah, I think mean, it's really about believing, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: free to try again with his son.
0: Yeah, so we go to our next song by his brother Frank Stallone, uh, "Bad Night," and uh, this is also kind of cool too. I mean, um, his brother. You know he's a uh, musician. Oh uh, yeah, he's um,
1: he's had several work. I mean, he was in the first two rock. He was in the first three Rockies, actually.
0: Oh right, all right.
1: He, yeah, he had small roles in them and like songs songs that were added to the soundtrack. Uh, in the first two films, he was always one of the guys, one of the one of the street corner street corner singers or whatever, hanging around the like the the bucket of fire. Oh okay. Yeah, he was one of them, and the training scene in Rocky Three. The dude that was singing "Pushing, Keep It Ready for the Night"
0: that was Frank Stallone as well too. Okay, that's cool, man. Um, and then he, he he he's done some like f- "Staying Alive." Staying Alive. That's what I yeah. was going to say. Yeah, yeah, the f- next
1: the ch- the song "Far From Over."
0: Yeah, yeah, he did that. That was a John Travolta like, mm-hmm. disco movie. Or- yeah,
1: it was a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Okay, didn't d- didn't do good in the box office. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not a. I'm not a big fan of uh, disco movies. <laughs>
1: oh, Saturday Night Fever might change your mind. That movie was dope. Oh yeah. Yeah, as was the soundtrack.
0: Okay. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah. but yeah, Frank Stallone, uh, Sylvester Stallone's brother.
1: Yeah, when they they yeah, they walk into the bar to grab some food.
0: Yeah, this song comes on in mm-hmm. the in the restaurant.
1: It's definitely a biker a biker trucker trucker restaurant. Yeah, because what's it called? The boy just comes in there and has his whole whole like what's it called stuck up waspy attitude yeah for a man who exercises you don't know a whole lot about nutrition and good food i'm like Sh- shut the fuck up and eat a steak for god's sake
0: <laughs> he's like i'll have a tuna wrap or something or like, they
1: don't have that in here or if they do they don't call it that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that was funny
1: it was funny yes it was and <laughs> the scene that happens within it when he gets challenged when he gets challenged by some some blonde haired dude named smasher yeah. Talking about, what, $600 or $1,000 I can beat you in arm wrestling. And the, the music gets more intense. Yeah. And Stallone takes his hat off to go, turns it backwards. I'm
0: like, yeah. What and, is going on? And he, and the whole time you're like, is this is this going to like break into a fight? Like, you don't really know, like, what S- Sylvester Stallone, like, does. You know, you know yeah. he's a trucker, but you don't know, like, kind of where it's going after that challenge, right? He,
1: exactly, yeah. Because he's like, his son, even his son doesn't know. It's like, what's going on? I got to go to work, Mike. <laughs> and then the whole arm wrestling part reaches <laughs> – it looks like a – just. how much of that is real?
0: Yeah, like <laughs>
1: – Yeah, I mean, these are pretty big guys with muscles and whatnot, but it's like Stallone's supposed to win. So how much of this is actually, is actually an arm wrestling contest? How much I, muscles put into it?
0: I thought they were going to fight. I mean <laughs> –
1: I thought they were gonna fight as well too, because it's like, what's it called? I'm Smasher. I can rip your arm off. <laughs> but then after he beats him and the collects his money, they're both of them are good. They just shake hands like man's and just like, okay, good match.
0: Yeah. And it's always like super hot in the restaurant. They're all like sweating.
1: Yeah, they all are. Yeah. It's like, ain't y'all got air conditioner in there? <laughs>
0: this is nineteen eighty seven, right? Yeah. Like
1: eighty seven, yeah. Y'all got AC. <laughs> Even for a truck or bar, y'all gotta afford some air conditioner in there. It don't gotta be that it don't gotta be that sweaty and grimy. And yeah, because Bull Hurley, when he walks in, he's sweating like a motherfucker.
0: Yeah, it's like, dude, uh, what's going on with you, man? He,
1: and when he grabs the boys and he's like, what are you doing with that guy?
0: He's a like, creeper.
1: He's my like, father. <laughs> Too bad. Hey, Hawks, double or nothing. Come on, man.
0: That guy, like that guy. I think everybody we can pretty much say looked like they were semi-roided up in this movie. Like. Roided up or pro, or pro wrestlers
1: uh, in some sense. Yeah. Yeah, because even like when they get to the actual arm wrestling tournament, you see all them dudes in there. Like so, so, one like one redheaded dude with a mullet and some glasses and a beard and some big <laughs> ass arms. I'm like, you, do you work it on a side or are you a bodybuilder on a side? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they're so testosterone driven.
0: Yeah, and then there was there was actually like some women, uh, female yeah, they arm had a female, wrestlers too. Yeah, yeah, they had
1: a female contest in there for like the winner of that one's fifty wins fifty thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, so uh, I mean, I didn't. I guess I didn't really know, like, when I saw this movie. I had seen it as a kid, like, little little clips of it on TV, like, when, uh, you know, I'd be, like, changing the channel. But I was like, they have a movie about arm wrestling? I didn't think, like, arm wrestling was, like, a big deal.
1: Was a thing, yeah. And I remember that movie Dodgeball when they highlight all the obscure sports in the world. <laughs> this, this could probably count as one of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, this, I think this song, you know... Uh, it does kind of like it It does kind of like you said, it, it uh, illuminates the uh, the challenge like, you know, and also I feel like Stallone doesn't want his son to see that he's a hustler, right? Like, right.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. he make this is how he makes his side money. Yeah. Through arm wrestling contests. But is it really hustling? I mean, he beat the guy fair and square.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't go and challenge him. The guy
1: the guy challenged him and said a thousand dollars. I can be I can rip your arm off. Okay, yeah. I'll take it.
0: And I mean, like if we, we look at the lyrics, uh, it says I get up. It's too late. I lay down, sit and wait. I see the clock. It ain't time. Uh, What I want, I can't find, but I've been waiting so long for what I fear has come. And I think that kind of illuminates. He's like, I don't want my
1: son to see me like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and of course, we see why, because his son immediately judged him. Like, your relationship isn't already that good anyway. He sees you do this. He's like, you hustled that man, but, like, I'm calling my mother.
0: Yeah, it's like, come on. Come
1: on, what's your mama going to do? She's in a hospital. She's dying of heart
0: failure. Yeah, and then, like, I I feel like he does also uh, kind of allude to, like, the grandfather telling him that he was like a drug dealer or something, yeah. or uh huh, yeah.
1: He said, "My grandfather told me that you were a drug dealer. Are you going to get violent now?" Yeah, and I told him all bunch of sh- just poison him against his father. Yeah, and the grandfather, we later learned that what's it called when when Stallone tells son, "I wrote you and your mother letters all the time." Well, I never got them because so the grandfather intercepted them and hid them. Yeah. Like
0: why it's like we never find out why like i guess it's kind of the plot hole right
1: like, i uh, because you don't like cuz you're a rich asshole and you don't want your daughter with some working class trucker who she likes
0: yeah maybe that's maybe that's the uh the point right like there's think, like I illuminates so. the snobbery and
1: i think so yeah he does look down on him
0: yeah um you know and the, so we go to the next song here by big trouble uh, all i need is you um this is kind of funny i mean they play it in the truck and he they're did. like Turning off. off Sounds
1: like that's a nice song. Turns it back on. Yeah, and like, like father son dynamic, unresolved issues of dominance.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's not a song I would like, but you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no, what I, no, what I. And I think, and I think they're just really trying to just be really they hit you over the head with this. All I need is you. Okay, father son. Okay, I get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. At, at one point, you know, I, this is like a female, uh, um, group, uh, big trouble. But I was listening to it, I was like, it almost sounds like it brought me back to um, Top Gun, you know, that song, like, Take My Breath Away. I thought that they had maybe, like, sung that because, like, I was like, oh, Kenny Loggins did this. But, of course, it wasn't. No, nah,
1: it's not Berlin, nah.
0: the, but, uh No, but, yeah, I mean, I, I was just kind of, like, Man, there's a lot of eighties, like really good eighties musicians that were
1: Yeah, the soundtrack was really over, underrated for this film.
0: Yeah, like Sammy Hagar, like you before know.
1: before Van Halen, yeah.
0: Yeah. So um but yeah, this uh it's it, it's like, you know, it's kind of cool because it's they kind of inject it into the scene through the radio. Uh they're turning the radio on, mm. off. Um but uh I yeah, I guess it kind of illuminates uh illuminates their kind of like they need to like bond, right? Yeah, like they got to,
1: yeah. The, the mother, the mother wanted him, Lincoln, to pick up his son so they can bond. Yeah. That's I, I guess I was like, she knew she was on her way out, so that's her last wish to unite her, her husband and her son to get back together.
0: Yeah. Then we go to our next song by the infamous Kenny Loggins.
1: Of Loggins uh, and Messina.
0: Yeah, meet Meet Me Halfway.
1: This was a big radio hit when I was a kid, especially when this song, when this movie came out. I mean it was already on one of his albums before before it appeared in the over the top soundtrack and I guess being on this soundtrack kind of gave it I guess more of a new life. And a di- and a side note to that was I remember in 88 or 89 I was my mother was taking me around with her so she could go shopping and it was in uh where was it? It was on Rockville Pike, the TJ Maxx that's up there. Okay. Right. And they used to have another store, a KB Toy Store I think at the bottom, at the bottom of the place I think it was and they had over the top action figures in there too, Stallone and a lot of the arm wrestling guys too.
0: Yeah, I miss those days like, you know, when I was uh, when I was in like like in middle school, mm-hmm. they used to have uh like, you know, I even think they had like aliens uh movie action figures yeah. and stuff like the Corporal Hicks like Yeah,
1: they had those. I remember seeing those.
0: Yeah, that was cool. Like
1: yeah. yeah, they still do it but it's not as much not as much as they used to anymore. Or maybe because I'm not into action figures anymore, I just don't pay as much attention.
0: Yeah, you know, but I feel like those are probably huge uh, huge money makers for the uh, the studios, right?
1: They are. They are. And they're huge money makers. Whoever buys them and never opens them.
0: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. then you could sell them on like eBay or something, yeah, right? Th-
1: those are collector's items, yeah. I mean, or even a toy store that, that deals in those kind of items.
0: Yeah. I remember like, you know, I don't want to get off on a tangent here mm-hmm. with like uh, James Cameron, but... You know, he, the Terminator, like, action figures and the aliens, like, all mm-hmm. that stuff. I remember they were re- releasing, like, cups, like, Terminator T2 cups in the movie theaters. I, like.
1: me- I remember that. I remember McDonald's even had, like, a a special for T2 at the time it came out. Yeah. Just like they did with Batman Returns, too. Like, collect all six cups.
0: I imagine they're doing that with the with the Star Wars. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. They're trying to milk this cow with a big marketing campaign. They probably got stuff in 7-Eleven, like how the Hulk... The, the first Hulk movie did in 2003. Yeah. How they had a marketing campaign all up in there. Yeah. Like a Hulk, a Hulk Slurpee.
0: <laughs> and then now, you know, Disney owns Marvel. So I imagine they're trying to milk everything out, of, out Every, of all that.
1: Everything they can. And speaking of which, you know what I just learned? Deadpool. Now that Marvel Studios has all those properties back, Fox and Fantastic Four and X-Men properties, the next Deadpool film is going to be under the MCU. Okay. Yes. But that's going to be... Since MCU is Disney and the first two Deadpools were released under Fox and were pretty much beyond rated R, will Disney put a movie out of that caliber or will they go beyond that?
0: I don't think um I just do you think it's gonna be watered down? I mean That's,
1: it worries me. That's what worries me. Will it be watered will it be watered down? I mean Disney they showed almost ago with their Netflix Marvel properties that they didn't water shit down. Right. I mean then them shits were rated R as they come in at sex scenes, all that. Yeah. And even had a scene where the Punisher, the John Berthal's Punisher, actually cut a dude's dick off. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, he, he cut a dude's dick off and went to a bar and then put it in the tip jar. Jeez. I'm like, wow, the irony, a tip jar.
0: <laughs> a little little tribute to John. Uh, Johnny
1: Burnthal. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: But this song, we went off on a tangent.
0: This song. <laughs> in this song uh, <laughs> meet me halfway.
1: Yeah, it's shown. It's shown. It's shown. They do a piano version of it throughout the film. Yeah, like the song, like when Lincoln and uh, his son they they go to sleep in the in the in the truck,
0: and then they start doing like push ups outside. And yeah, like all, <laughs> in the morning,
1: impromptu workouts. Yeah, yeah. And like, what's it called? He te- basically teaches his son how to like do do pull ups lift weights and even like, even modifies his military uniform to pull off the other sleeve that got ripped off earlier.
0: Yeah. Make it look like, uh, like kind of like a trucker, uh, yeah, biker it, kind of make look.
1: it look, they make it look cooler. Yeah. Yeah. And the other time they show this, um, other time they show this song is when, what's it called? And the piano version as well as when, when Lincoln, he basically leaves California because of the legality issues with his son and the grandfather and yeah. he's headed to Nevada He's like in the truck just with the with the with the one arm pull down thing. Yeah. And you hear the piano coda, and I always I always remember this scene. He's in the Nevada desert, he's driving, the truck gets out of sight, but then you see Nevada state line. Good luck. Then it goes <laughs> to the boy who finds the letters in the grandfather's house, Lincoln, sells his truck for what, seven thousand and keeps the hawk? Yeah. And then he goes to the Vegas, the Vegas tournament and bets on himself seven thousand. <laughs> the odds on him were what, twenty to one?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so when he won the when he won the tournament, he cleared like what one hundred forty thousand right there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: A hundred thousand in prize money and the truck. I'm like, you good? You can start your own company now.
0: Well, the crazy thing is that remember his like grandfather was going to give him five hundred thousand dollars and then uh like an actual truck, an actual too. truck.
1: I w- I would have kept the money. I I wouldn't just put it back in his pocket. I'm like,
0: I already got a family. I'm
1: like, let me keep this money. It's a lot of money.
0: Yeah. And then and then gone and done the wrestling competition too as well. Like
1: yeah, did that yeah too. It's like okay, I got your grandfather's money. It's my fuck you money.
0: Yeah, Th- then you could have come out almost a millionaire, right? Like, you could have, yeah, yeah, you
1: could have, yeah. I mean, and he could, he could, like you said at the end of the film with that money, he could, him and his son could start their own trucking company.
0: Yeah, he could have sold two trucks, right, or had two trucks,
1: two trucks. Yeah, he could have done that. Yeah, and, and during the and during the song, we see a little bit of what goes on before the uh, the tournament. Like we see, like this one dude who's always in military, uh, John Grizzly, with the fubar on a fubar tank top, <laughs> and you see all of them, all of them getting ready, like rubbing the chalk on their hands and whatnot, yeah, or, or lifting weights. Uh, yeah, it's it's really a uh, That's a real arm wrestling thing. Is a real thing. It was a real thing back then. It's still a real thing now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I surprisingly. mean, surprisingly, did you see that guy? He ate the uh, the cigarette. Yeah, John Idiot. Grizzly.
1: Yeah, when he faced Idiot. Stallone. <laughs> yeah, he, he and he drank motor oil too. Yeah. I'm like, there's a a lot of pro wrestling psychology that a lot of these arm wrestlers do. They try to act all animalistic and whatnot to scare their opponent. But Grizzly went over the top just eating a cigar, chomping it down, (laughs) drinking some motor. I'm going through you like gas in a funnel. (laughs) idiot and then what what do we see after he's eliminated he's taking some alka-seltzer
0: yeah yeah
1: dumb motherfucker
0: (laughs) i mean that'll definitely mess you up pretty good potentially kill you right like
1: it'll potentially kill you yeah and the other and the other event that's happening during this song is uh the the boy after he learns that his grandfather been lying to him all these years and found the letters he puts on his clothes escapes and steals a car jeez (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. That's
1: Chekhov's gun right there. His father taught him how to drive, taught him how to drive that truck, so driving a pickup truck was no problem for him.
0: Yeah, and uh, like, what's crazy about that is like, he um he definitely pisses off a bunch of people on the road, right? He cuts a, a bunch of people off. Yeah,
1: he, yeah it's like you don't even got no license. It's a thing.
0: Yeah, and then he just leaves the truck at the uh, at the airport.
1: Yeah, legally, that's a legally binding contract in some states. And the dude was like, you can't just leave your truck here like that. You can have it. Idiot. So, legally, the truck is his.
0: <laughs> hey, and it's a nice, uh, what was a Toyota 4Runner or something? Uh-huh. Or, He's so, like, hey, yeah. boy, you
1: just can't leave that truck here like that. <laughs> You can keep it. Hey, come back here! Come here, you. Dude, you just got a new truck, all right?
0: Yeah, it's like take it easy, man. I mm-hmm. <laughs> think he's probably more money. He'll probably make more money off of that truck, right? Uh, you know,
1: um, unless what's it called, the Cutler, the grandfather took it back because what's it called when they found when they found him? The next scene is like what's it called? There's Mister Cutler's truck right there. Come on, let's go. Let's go get to his plane.
0: Yeah. A little, a little unbelievable, like if you, uh, you know, I guess they didn't have the security, right, back then? Or... I,
1: I guess they did not because the boy, he even escaped to get on. He was almost his, on the airplane until he saw his grandfather's people, then was forced to hide out in the luggage compartment.
0: Yeah, they find you there, man. Yeah. They, they, they take you down.
1: Well, they take you down, yeah, but his plan was successful. <laughs> and uh, did he have any cash or money on him? Because he, he must have. Cause what's it called? He was he got a taxi cab and was going to the hotel where the tournament was taking was taking place at. Yeah. But we we fast forwarded so many scenes already. We're,
0: yeah we're 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 back to uh, we're back to uh, Sammy Hagar, his uh, song uh, "Winner Takes All" when they go to the the the, uh, the when trials the, when the
1: actual tournament begins. Yeah, that was that was the coolest scene in the whole movie.
0: Yeah, Sammy Hagar. I mean that guy, epic, right? Like
1: epic. Yeah, I mean when he um. When he what's it called? When he took over as singer Van Halen, what do they call it, Van Hagar?
0: Yeah, Van Hagar.
1: I mean, he was noticeably different singer than David Lee Roth. I mean, in terms of his vocal stylings and whatnot, and his topics. I mean, mostly talk about love.
0: Yeah, so it was a kind of a different uh, a different turn for Van Halen because Van Halen, I felt like, was kind of a party band, right?
1: They were, yeah. I mean, then they became more hard rock with Sammy Hagar up in there, yeah. But no less, but no less, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't bad after that.
0: Yeah. I think he gets a lot of flack, and it's kind of like with every lead singer, like change, you know, mm-hmm. like ACDC or Allison James. Oh yeah, you know, it's like it's always tough for like the second guy to come in and fill the shoes for
1: Drowning Pool. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's just tough. So it's like it's like everybody just needs to like take a chill pill. Yeah, it's it's not going to be the same band exactly, but you know, right. they all bring in different elements, and you have those haters in there. You know,
1: there's always going to be haters. Yeah, it's like what's it called the the second the second person to come fill in the shoes. Really, they have a tough act. They have a hard job, especially the first act made already made a big impression like Genesis when Peter Gabriel. When he left Genesis, Phil Collins took over. Yeah, it took like a few albums for him to really find his niche and for him to become big.
0: And it's kind of the same situation, right? I mean, he'd be like Phil Collins had his own solo career, just like Sammy Hagar.
1: He did. Yeah. I mean, he you had a, he had a solo career along wi- while Genesis was going on. Yeah. Concurrently. And both of them went well. Yeah. Sammy Hagar. Same thing. Even when he took over the reins of Van Halen, he still had some solo albums coming out.
0: Yeah, Don Henley. I mean, like the, the Eagles. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's, yeah. Everyone just needs to take a deep breath. Oh yeah, they calm do, down. <laughs> they do.
1: Yeah, but this scene right here, the arm wrestling scene. Uh, <laughs> we see Stallone crush everybody. Bull Hurley with the, with a the blaster on his shirt. Yeah, he's just crushing people. You ain't
0: shit. <laughs> yeah! He's all like roided up. He's roided up. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm like Jesus. Yeah, a lot of this is funny. And the dude that got, the German dude that got his arm, his elbow dislocated.
0: Yeah, he was like, he was like, he's running over to the medical the medical tent.
1: Yeah, he didn't even run over. It's like, we saw his arm get dislocated. He's like, what the hell? It's yeah. like, he didn't even register it at first. He's holding his hand. <sighs> it's like, it took a few minutes, for you to, seconds for you to register that pain.
0: Yeah, and... It's crazy, man. Like uh, when they do, I love when they do the little interviews in the middle, and like they had uh, had Bill or Bill uh, Harley. yeah, Bill Harley there. and he's like, He's got the like the like prison guard yeah. hat on. Las Vegas
1: correctional facility. I drive trucks, break arms, and arm wrestle. It's what I love to do, it's what I do best.
0: Yeah, and it was believable. I was like, he looks like a prison guard, man. I wouldn't mess with that guy. Like he
1: probably is. I mean, as our big as those arms are, bulky and what else was he in? He was in Batman Returns.
0: He was like uh the penguins henchman or something or one, bodyguard.
1: One of his henchmen, yeah, that the Batman just put a bomb onto then ran away. <laughs> and, and Major Pain, the Damon Wayne's movie too.
0: Okay. Yeah. Batman Returns. What a good movie, man! That,
1: that movie frightens me still. It's like, what's it called? It was so. It's like what happens when they said, "Okay, Tim Burton, you did good with the first one. Now here's some more money. Do whatever the fuck you want." Yeah. He made it more gothic, more disturbing, especially, especially what's her face's character, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Yeah. I'm like she, ugh, just frightened. I, I I don't find that sexy.
0: Yeah, she's scary. You know who else is scary is. Uh, Danny DeVito's character as the penguin, like he bites that dude's nose. I was like, whoa. Like you don't you never saw that in the first film, like any crazy stuff like that.
1: Nah, you didn't. And the penguin was really he was like he was like, Yeah, like it's like he had arrested development. Because you see some spittle on his mouth and he spent most of the time in a onesie. Yeah. And playing with children's toys and whatnot.
0: And he's like eating the, the fish, like raw eating fish, raw fish yeah. like all over his mouth and like all walking his, around. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a weird.
1: And him with Chris Walken, too. And the funny thing is, Danny DeVito said the whole time we were filming and as scary as I look, Chris Walken, Christopher Walken frightens me.
0: <laughs> and I feel like Danny DeVito is the scarier character, right? Yeah,
1: uh, he's the scarier character. Chris Walken did not scare me this film. He didn't have that. Ho- he has his Walken trademarks, but yeah, uh, Danny DeVito, he's he's sociopathic and, and uh, inwardly and outwardly.
0: Yeah. Well, another film I feel like we need to cover the soundtrack for. I don't know if there's that much music in it, but uh, "True Romance."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah we True, can cover that.
0: True Romance and Chris Walken is so epic, and doesn't have a very huge part in the, in the film, but it's like that one dialogue scene with uh, Dennis the, the, Hopper, the
1: Sicilian scene. Yeah, that they apparently did in one take. That that was that was beautiful. That was beautiful, especially, and them, them two are veteran actors in there too. So t- no, it wasn't Tarantino that directed; he wrote it. He wrote it. it was he Tony wrote it. Scott. Tony Scott. Yeah. yeah so he said like, "Okay, do this part right here, and just." I'll just, I'll just take whatever works.
0: Yeah. And and the whole was, thing worked. It was brilliant.
1: It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I had a friend of mine. She was watching it with me the other day. And I'm like, okay, just watch the subtleties in their facial expressions. Watch why he asked for a cigarette, even though he told the other guy he quit earlier. And what's it called? Just, and Walken's expressions. Like when he says Sicilians are spawned by niggas. And Walken's like, uh, come again. Come again. Because <laughs> he knew he was telling the truth. Because what's it called? He said before that Sicilians... Our good, our good lie detectors. My father was a world heavyweight champion of
0: liars. <laughs> well, I feel like like Hopper knew he was gonna die. He's like, "Can I have one of those Chesterfields?"
1: Yeah, he's like, "If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die my way. I'm gonna salt the hell out of this motherfucker."
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> it was
1: fun to watch. Yeah,
0: and then like even after it, like like Walken's like, "Take this uh, eggplant, you know, he's <laughs> like, <"What's> wipe, <laughs> wipe this eggplant off of my like suit or something." He's like, "I
1: haven't killed anybody <laughs>
0: since 1984.
1: <1984." laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frankie, go to this comedian's son's apartment, find me something to help wipe this egg off my face, (laughs) tell me where this asshole went.
0: I feel like uh, it definitely was written by Tarantino, you Mm -hmm. could tell just by the dialogue, I mean.
1: The dialogue, yeah, and like the whole obsession with race and the fact that Walken's character is a Sicilian Don, but he's under the thumb of an Irish-American gangster. Yeah. And, and and, And Walken's character, he's got Drexel, Gary Oldman's character, under his thumb, and Drexel thinks he's black. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes yeah it's a it's it's a it's definitely you could tell written by tarantino definitely an interesting film
1: yeah it's definitely it's a teenage boy's wet dream that whole film is <laughs> like the dude gets the girl it's ultra violent uh
0: yeah. yeah 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 and he
1: works and he works in a comic book store too
0: yeah rest in peace tony scott man like i was you know such a great director like so underrated
1: so underrated yeah it's mental health it's a bitch
0: yeah so we go to our our uh, well. I don't think we really we, we didn't we didn't really uh, finish on "Winner Takes All." Well, let's um, let's
1: finish a little bit of that. Yeah, the they said "Winner Takes It All, Loser Takes a Fall." Yeah, fight to the beginning of the end. Yeah, winner takes it all until he breaks the fall and time to he'll make it over the top.
0: Yeah, and I mean it has the essentially the title of the film, the
1: title of the film in there. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's really fun to watch. I mean, the scene it's like it, it's it gets you hyped. The yeah, music and, and the whole. The whole arm wrestling thing, the testosterone, the sport driven, sport driven aspect of it, yeah. yeah, it gets you hyped, yeah,
0: yeah. It's got that kind of rocky feel to it, where like you it see does. him like training and getting ready and kind of amped up, and
1: mm-hmm. all his moves that he does, like Stallone, he, t- he tore off the, the the sleeves of his shirt that he had on, and just he every time he every time he arm wrestles, he turns his cap backwards, yeah. And then, like the interviews that they have with the arm wrestlers, and the scene that happens after this, where Stallone <laughs> describes why he take, why he puts his arm, his hat back, and whatnot. Yeah, he's like, it's like I do a switch, you know. And I feel like, you know, I feel like a truck, you know.
0: <laughs> and like of of all the like the interviews that happen, I feel like his is the most like deadpan. Like it's just like so underwhelming. He's <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty much doing this for the money.
1: Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. I, I need this truck. It doesn't matter. Uh, I need the truck. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and you and you're gonna be out seven thousand if you if you lose if you lose this tournament too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's like everyone's all amped up, and then you get to like the main character, and he's like, I just need, yeah, he, I just need the money.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bill Hurley, he's he's kind of just like deadpan too. The rest of them in the interviews are all hyped up. John Grizzly, the Foo Bar joint, he was like, whoever it is on the table, I don't care who it is, they're my moral enemy. I hate them. <laughs> Carl Adams, the, the the Canadian with the short hair and the beard, yeah, he he sounded really arrogant. He's like, I should be able to blow him away really easy. There's a lot more technique involved, and you you can't beat experience. Well, you got your ass kicked by Bull Hurley in a, in, the, in the in the the semifinals, yeah. And when he slammed his hand down like that, <laughs> slammed his hand on to beat him, and dude would practically yelled and screamed like he was crying.
0: Yeah, yeah, I imagine like I mean even even. Uh, you know Stallone's character, Lincoln Hawk. He he had to go to like the medical tent, right, to get his uh his yeah. like bicep checked out and like his... yeah, so there's
1: some tearing in there. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, they had like massage and medical tents up in there. That was smart.
0: Yeah, he I think uh, out of everybody, all the arm wrestlers, he looks like the the smallest guy, right? It
1: probably he is. He is. That, that's that's exactly how it looked. Small in terms of height and small in terms of his uh his muscular stature and whatnot. Yeah. And Stallone's pretty cut to begin with, but not like these dudes. A lot of these dudes are arm wrestlers. Yeah. They had one dude in there, the black dude, Harry Moscow, who always wore like, he was from the Teamsters. Yeah. But he oft, often wore like some product placement shirts, like an Alka-Seltzer or a Budweiser shirt.
0: Yeah. speaking of, Speaking of product placement, Brute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brute. Yeah. They were there. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, there's a lot of a lot of uh product placement there it was on the truck right mm-hmm. like then he uh he, he he was towing like a a a trailer that had brute on the yeah, side uh-huh. of it the entire crate that had uh, brute and even at, even at the tournament it was sponsored by brute i was like mm-hmm. wow you know
1: maybe brute contributed to the movie's budget
0: yeah they probably did you know
1: it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me
0: it's like who wears brute now i mean come on brute's like
1: kelly lebrock brute come yeah. on put it on
0: I feel like everyone, like, do you even get, like, Brute spray? Do they even have spray deodorant anymore? anymore? Like, I don't know. All I remember is that when you, when you like, in Home Alone, he puts the Brute on and it, like, stings ah! on him. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing I can remember of Brute. <laughs>
1: that and the commercial with Kelly LeBrock. That's all I remember.
0: Yeah. Wait, uh, Wayne's World, I think Mike Myers, makes, he's like, sir, is that Brute are you wearing? <laughs>
1: Yes, my woman likes me when I wear cologne. <laughs>
0: God. Yeah. But um yeah, so we go to the next song by uh Giorgio Moroder.
1: Yes. Uh, the he, fight. He's a, he uh, he does a lot of instrumental tracks. He was heavy in he did most of the Scarface instrumentals.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Um Flashdance. He he was heavy in a lot of 80s soundtracks.
0: That's that's awesome. I didn't know that Scarface.
1: Like, like Italian synth. Yeah, he's yeah. really big into that.
0: I wonder if he did the theme theme like song for Scarface, you he did. know. He, he did, did it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. awesome.
1: I got the uh I got the soundtrack for it at home. I managed to find an original version of it because the version I originally bought off Amazon was like a remixed 20th anniversary version where nothing sounded right like I remember it. Nothing sound. it didn't even sound like how it did in the movie. Okay. It's like added it's like they, they just remixed everything. It's like why?
0: Yeah, and Those, why did you sell this? <laughs> it's yeah, not why, that much different, then. Yeah,
1: and why? Yeah, why did you sell me this, knowing it wasn't what, what 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 you advertised or what I was paying
0: for? Yeah, man, it's it's just it's just all about Ooh, the money, I'm you know.
1: Motherfuckers. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, this guy is considered the the father of Italian disco. Um,
1: yeah, I think he did. I think he did several of the instrumentals that happened during the arm wrestling tournament. The first one we hear after the uh, after winner takes all. When they're introducing the last remaining eight competitors and the interviews that go behind them and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that part and the other one, the fight, the where we're at now, the fight, where what's it called? Where Lincoln gets his mojo back after refusing the money from uh, from his father, his father in law.
0: Yeah, he put somebody through. uh...
1: He put Terry Funk. He has revenge for Terry Funk just basically just bullying him earlier, saying you're not wanted here, and just tackling him and getting him arrested. Yeah, that's revenge for earlier. What's it called? Because um. When he refuses the 500000 and the truck from his father-in-law, stuffs it back in his pocket, he's like, when this is over, I'm coming to get my son. You're going back on your word. Yeah. You're a loser, Hawks. You've always been a loser. <laughs> and then Terry Funk's blocking uh Stallone. He's like, <laughs> Mr. Cutler is talking to you. I'm through talking to him. And he pushes Hawks. <laughs> and Hawks like looks at him like, I can't believe this. Okay, I've had enough. Punch him in the stomach really hard twice, kicks him, and pushes him right through the hotel door. It's like, yeah, yeah. They're not going to sue you for that because he hit you first. Yeah. And besides, your father-in-law, is pocket changed to him.
0: Yeah. he, It didn't matter. I mean.
1: And it was a Hilton, too.
0: Yeah, I know, right? hmm That's an expensive place.
1: Yeah, it's an expensive place. Yeah. And they play the fight music again when Hawk he gets his mojo back and goes into the next round and just basically marauders the competition. Yeah, he takes out John Grizzly for the for the loss from earlier. And Grizzly, he just he just took some motor oil in order to intimidate Hawk. Drank motor <laughs> oil, and then Hawk he fights his, this this other dude that was in uh, First Blood Part Two. Okay, I don't remember his name in the film, but in Over the Top, his character's name is Mad Dog Madison. Okay, yeah, Southern dude, you hear it in his voice. And he even he, he he acts like a damn mongoose when he's about to arm wrestle Stallone, howling in the air, yeah. making all these faces. It's like, ugh, come on, dude, you're not you're not scaring me.
0: Yeah, just focus on uh, the task at yeah, hand, yeah, right? F-
1: fuck the theatrics. Stallone doesn't even do do all that shit. I mean, <laughs> when he beats a guy through an intense enemy, he'll bang his arm on the table and shit, but nothing nothing like over the top, so to
0: speak. Yeah. And his whole strategy, I mean, Stallone, is to get, like, over the top, like, getting his fingers over the... Over his thumb. Over his thumb and, like, squeezing it, right, so that, like, it hurt, like... I mean, it's painful, I would imagine. Painful
1: for the other person so that they get so weak enough that he'll just have no choice but to slam him down. Yeah. And it works... It works. I yeah. don't think, I don't think that, that that doesn't work in real life, though. I tried it. I've <laughs> arm wrestled people based on what I saw in this film. and like, no, nah, none of this shit works.
0: <laughs> yeah, they don't call it a movie, right, for mm-hmm. nothing. But uh, we'll go to our next song here. Larry Green, Take It Higher. And uh, This
1: is after Lincoln wins the tournament. He got his son back. Yeah. Yeah, and they're thinking about just starting their own trucking company. And uh, Lincoln puts the Hawk, the Hawk from his old truck, on the new truck. Because the son wants to name, I think we should name it just "Son and Hawk." That's what we should name our company. That sounds alright. But how about "Hawk and Son"? Hawk and Son? Yeah, I like it. Hawk and Son. Come on, let's go. Then the music cues.
0: Yeah, that kid's so stuck up, man.
1: Yeah, it's like a dude. I mean, even Stallone calls him out for that early in the film when he tries to get in the arm wrestle with those boys. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's an example of when we should take a drink right there. Yeah, what was it called? The boy gets he loses the arm wrestling match. And his first reaction is to cry and just run outside. Yeah. Like, if you want to humiliate me in there, you did it. Grandpa always said you were a loser. And now you want to make me into a loser and I hate you for it. Like, shut the fuck
0: up. Yeah. Stop <laughs> being a baby. Bitch. Stop being
1: a bitch. Yes. Like, you lost in there because you didn't. Like, alone told you, you didn't have the confidence to beat that guy. But then he goes right back in there after all that, wipes his eyes and beats the guy. Yeah. It's like, Okay. Okay, and that guy looked like he should have just beat you, considering how skinny your arms are.
0: Yeah, what I was surprised is that this this kid went to military school, but he looked scrawny. He didn't look like he was working out. Like, yeah,
1: he acts like he has like a total spoiled rich kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, did you do anything? The military school didn't tuff, toughen you up at all.
0: Yeah, I was a little, I uh, was a little surprised by that.
1: Yeah, kind of think of it. Yeah, you're. There's a lot of logical inconsistencies in the film. But then again, it's Stallone. If he writes something, yeah, it's gonna be plenty of plenty of the, the things you can pick apart.
0: Yeah, I think he's like, he, you know, he's like, he's going towards a certain theme, right? Like yeah. the action, like sports theme, you know, the Rocky. T- I mean, Rocky's not like, a, you know, it's not like a Michael Mann film, right? No, I mean it's, it's like not. <laughs> It's not a Michael Mann film. It's, it's not, not a complex. Michael. Yeah, it's not complex.
1: It's got subtext, but it's not complex.
0: Yeah. Like so, the
1: fourth one with the whole Cold, Cold War shit.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I don't know. I mean, you have to take it for what it's worth, right? Like, yeah, you
1: just gotta watch watch a movie for what it is. Take it for what it is at times, really, and not just let the details or lack thereof bog you down. But sometimes you just can't help it.
0: Yeah, I think I think Stallone he, for for me, like, I think he's so great because, like, you know, he wrote that script, the Rocky script, and then just like, you know, was was. Essentially, offered money to sell it, and he was like, "Screw that! I'm not oh, gonna sell it unless like, I can be in it. Unless I could be in it." And then he like made that into like what a smash hit. I mean, the movies, I mean, it's even spawned onto another like off you know, with Creed, Creed. And I mean, the guy is just like, he he's successful, he's super successful. The guy's
1: super successful. Yeah, and Rocky. That came about when he was when he was homeless, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, he had to sell his dog. Yeah, and what's it called? And when he found out the script that the script was going to be sold, he's like, "Uh, uh-uh, I, I want to be in the sc- I want to be in the movie. I want to be the title character." And if he didn't do that, we probably wouldn't even hear Sylvester Stallone today.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he's been great with uh, movies, not so great with his marriages. Uh-
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, he, he, I mean, he married Brigitte, he married Brigitte Nielsen.
0: I think he's been like divorced what, like four or five times. Four or five
1: something. times, yeah. And like, how many kids does he have per marriage? Except for Nielsen, he didn't have no kids with her. Yeah. But. They they made it they made a roast to joke about that the flavor flavor roast. <laughs> yeah, Greg Geraldo got up on stage. Oh man,
0: he's ruthless.
1: He's ruthless. I wish he was still around. His 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 insults were funny. He said what's the called What did he say? He said uh, <laughs> He said to Brigitte Nielsen because she was messing with Flavor Flav at the time. She was his girlfriend. Yeah. And he said, "Brigitte, if you want to quit a lot of the disgusting things that you've done throughout your career, why don't you get your pussy sewn shut?" Oh. And he said, to him, "Your pussy is so big that Sylvester Stallone left his career in there." <laughs> I'm like, "That's fucked up," but not true. <laughs> he, he, he did the Expendables at the time. So,
0: oh wow, man, yeah, yeah, Geraldo will definitely be missed, man. Some of his uh, some of his roasts were just incredible, and the guy just thought differently. I mean, he was on a different wavelength. I he, think then he,
1: he was a, he was a digger, archaeologist. He would just keep digging and mining until he found something that he could work with and connect it somehow in a brutal way
0: i think he was so so much different than like these other comedians like there's some comedians like dane cook who's like like i i I call him the add comedian like he just like he's he's like funny to me he's just very theatrical and then like you know like i think he just he he he, he's like a five-year-old yeah he kind of just he's People like him because they, uh, I feel like they have a short attention span mm-hmm. and they need to like be entertained constantly.
1: Yeah, and he and he knows he can do that by just by jumping up and down and like doing a bunch of physical shit as opposed to saying a joke that's actually incisive or funny.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Because I remember I said once, Dane Cook, Dane Cook, he is the stand up. What Larry Larry Flynn is to standing up. <laughs>
0: yeah, the uh, and, and I mean like. I, you know, it's just like other comedians, too. Like, I'm sorry. Kevin Hart, I'm not Kevin a fan. Hart's not, Kevin Hart's not just, funny on stage. I'm not a fan. Like, he's, I just can't get into it.
1: He's not funny on stage. A lot of comedians, they're not funny. They're funnier in movies than they are on stage. Like Chris Tucker, Mike yeah. Epps, Kevin Hart. Yeah. Or or, or or who else? Or No, Chris Rock's the opposite. He's funnier on stage than he is in movies.
0: Yeah. I just I don't know I can't get into his comedy I just I don't it's it's like you put him up against Dave Chappelle or like Chris Rock Chappelle it's just like funnier. yeah I mean it's just no question he has, I mean,
1: he has no question and Chappelle he just he just delivers a joke so calmly and so casually he doesn't have to go over the top yeah he just delivers it with like a straight face and it's like
0: ouch yeah Damn. he'll just he'll just be up there smoking a cigarette or something and yeah uh-huh. talking casually to the audience but it's like he thinks about he writes you know he like writes, it's like yeah. he's a better writer i think than the, like kevin hart or yeah, like kevin
1: hart's is way too he just he just uses his voice a lot and a lot of physical a lot of loud shit is what he does
0: yeah jumps up and down and like walks it runs across the stage and yeah,
1: like chappelle said chappelle said what's it called my punchline could be i kick her in the pussy the whole audience will laugh yeah he's right though it was funny
0: yeah, I mean he, the guy just he's just got a gift, you know. Him and Chris, Chris Rock, Chris Rock. I thought, man, I was like, who's better in this equation, right? Chris Rock or Dave? I was like, I don't know. I I left Chris Rock show being like, I think I think he's uh, going toe to toe with Dave right now in terms of like the the comedy that they were they were putting out
1: at the time and around ninety nine, early two thousand, really. What's it called? Chris Rock. He was the funniest man in America to me. Bigger and Blacker. That was that was one of the funniest stand-ups I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, what's it called? (laughs) he goes about the difference between men and women and talks about like race, especially race, he makes some funny observations about race.
0: Yeah, yeah, him and Dave Chappelle, man. I feel like they're they're,
1: Chappelle. Yeah, they're definitely smart. It's like this. My uncle calls him intellectual humor.
0: Paul Mooney too. Paul (laughs) Mooney. Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney is just like you have to be. You have to. Certain crowd goes to a Paul Mooney show because like he will insult. You, he, he, he will, will ins- insult you, and he doesn't give a shit. No, right?
1: he he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> I remember, and when we, when you and I first met. I remember we we when we started talking about comedy, talking about Jim Norton, Paul Mooney. I remember I remember just one joint that Paul Mooney said that just it still has us both laughing. <laughs> what, he says it, he said it on stage, but he also said it in the two thousand movie Bamboozled when his character, who's a comedian, is talking to Damon Damon Wayne's character, yeah. who's his son in the movie. He's Damon Wayne looks at him and says. Why do you have to use that word "nigger" so much? And Paul Mooney, with his deep-ass voice and his deadpan face, he says, "Nigger, I say nigger a hundred times every morning when I wake up.
0: <laughs> keeps my teeth white." Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> he he is just—he's uh, on another wavelength, man. That guy, and, and like I said, you have to be—you have to be with the. Uh, you have to be in the right mindset. You got to like that type of comedy because yeah. he pushes the envelope. He will insult people.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, I mean is he an insult comedy? Does he go out there and just insult people in the audience? Like, I, don't,
0: I don't think he insults people, but I think he's contra, maybe controversial. controversial yeah. is the he'll, better. He'll
1: hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Like Chappelle, he hurt the trans community. Apparently, he got a lot of backlash for his jokes about them. Yeah. Excuse me. And then this stand-up special, in order to make fun of the controversy. He basically explains the whole LGBTQ thing in the form of a car a carpool ride. Okay. Which was brilliant.
0: <laughs> so yeah, man. We're going into the last I think it's the last song here, right?
1: Take it higher was technically the last song, but we got two more songs that didn't appear in the they film. Did,
0: yeah. Larry Green, Mind Over Matter. That was uh not in the film, but was actually um Yeah, it was it wasn't in the film. It was it on wasn't the, in the
1: film. No, it wasn't. It was just on the soundtrack.
0: Yeah. Um I think, again, fits in with the theme of the the film. You know, you can overcome these obstacles if you put your mind to it. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that, that's the gist of it.
0: And, uh, you know, Stallone, like we said, was the kind of the undersized guy Mm -hmm. uh, in the film. um, The undersized arm wrestler. And then uh, you know, I didn't notice this, but uh, Larry Green, um, he did a song on the Top Gun and soundtrack.
1: I, I have that too, actually. I don't remember what song exactly.
0: It's uh, called, uh, what was it? Uh, Into the Fire. I think that's what it was called.
1: Into the Fire. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it. I can't remember it offhand, but I have heard it.
0: Yeah. So that's cool. A lot of lot of real good, uh, like I said, 80s uh, yeah, they musicians. Work. Kenny Loggins, Larry Green. I mean, this is a time. Sammy of, Hagar.
1: I mean, mid '84. Like '80s, '84, '89. That was the time to get in on a soundtrack, really.
0: Yeah, and this film came out what a year after Top Gun, right? Top yeah, Gun came Top out '86. So. Yeah, it
1: did. Yeah, and Kenny Loggins, he was still hitting it big. I mean, he had Footloose. Yeah. Um, he had this film, Top Gun. What else? Uh, and a few years later, Caddyshack too. <laughs> Which that the film was garbage, but the soundtrack was better, largely yeah. because of him.
0: Yeah. And then our next song is by Asia, Gypsy Song, uh, just, Gypsy. Gypsy Soul. Excuse this, me.
1: This wasn't in the film. I don't think so. I thought it was in this. I thought it was what's it called? The song they use like what's it called after, after what's it called after Hawk after Hawks beat the Smasher in the bar, right? And everything goes back to normal. I thought they played this song, Gypsy Soul.
0: Is that before? Was that right? Uh, like right before or when like they go into the telephone when when he calls his wife, like Lincoln Hawk calls his wife, or before 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 okay. Yeah. All right, maybe I goofed on that, but it's possible.
1: Uh, I mean, I just I remember hearing a song that sounded just like this one, right? Right of that scene.
0: Yeah, I guess it's an English progressive band. Was this more? This is more of an instrumental, though, right? Like no, it
1: wasn't. No, 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 no. It was a song with lyrics and a and a hook. Okay. A progressive band, though, with a hook, though. That's that's yeah, that's
0: that's interesting. Well, but
1: then again, look at Genesis.
0: Yeah. I feel like the song titled "Gypsy Soul" kind of fits in with uh,
1: with Hawk being a truck driver, moving from place to place. Yeah, he's a
0: nomad, exactly.
1: And he's got to like sleep on the road too.
0: Yeah, that's a tough lifestyle. Tough lifestyle, you know.
1: I mean, I slept in my car, my mother's car, once uh, because I was too lazy to go inside after a night of drinking. And Lord knows she was mad at me for doing that, but nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you got to be careful with that, you know. Like, uh, yeah. make sure at least you roll the windows or crack the windows, right? So you don't. So you don't suffocate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: there's only so much air in the car to begin with.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, dude this this film was good. I'm glad I watched it. I learned a lot about uh, you know, different '80s uh, musicians, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of getting me pumped to see the next Top Gun.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) We we were talking earlier. Yeah, I want to see that as well, too, even though it's been 33 years since the it'll be 34 years since the previous one, actually, by the time it comes out next year. Yeah. But I'm interested to see what they do. If they pay any kind of homages to like the previous film, like mention the characters from there, too.
0: Yeah.
1: Some of them. are, Are any of them dead now, actually?
0: Uh the actors I mean. Well, I know uh, Michael Ironside. He's not gonna be uh he's not gonna be in the movie. Oh,
1: I, I figure Jester wouldn't be. Or Tom Scared is Viper.
0: Yeah. He's still alive though, right?
1: They're all still alive now that I think about it. Yeah. Even the minor ones like Cougar yeah. and uh Hollywood.
0: Val Kilmer, right? The Iceman,
1: I- he's apparently gonna be back.
0: Oh, he's gonna be in the movie.
1: Yeah. But at the same time it's like Really Pete, Pete Mitchell, and I mean Tom Cruise's character, Maverick, it's like You've been you've been flying jets for thirty four years. You you didn't bother to quit. Yeah. And, and do you think they'll be, are they going to bring like back Kelly McGillis? Pro, I don't know.
0: No, no. I wouldn't no. think so.
1: No, she don't look the same as she did back then, and she's
0: Jennifer Conley's in the movie, right? Like she plays the love interest for Maverick. Yeah.
1: She should play his daughter.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and she's forever young. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's pretty. Yeah, she um, is but yeah that I wonder like val Kilmer's character like what he's gonna look like because I know he kind of looked bad for looked a little bit really bad fat at one point yeah
1: and then they said he had throat cancer yeah he it's like and Val Kilmer hasn't been in anything, the, like anything really in a long ass time yeah and he was a big box office draw at one point
0: yeah I mean he was in heat he was in with the, the saint, saint yeah
1: Batman forever uh willow yeah was he no he wasn't in true romance
0: no. Yeah, he was. He, played, was. he played Elvis. Elvis, Yeah. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: He's been in a lot of films, man. He has
1: a real genius. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't think he was that bad of a Batman. Not the best, but not the worst. Uh, Better than George Clooney. Yeah, exactly.
1: Clooney played himself.
0: What did you think about, uh, what's his name, um, Jennifer Gardner's husband? Was it Ben Affleck?
1: I think Ben Affleck, He, he play, he's a good older Bruce Wayne. And he's one that finally got the voice right for Batman because the voice as Batman, he was actually scary. Yeah. And that's one thing that was missing that would have made Christian Bale's Batman perfect. if He actually had a scary voice, not a comically raspy one. Yeah. Bale was like, where are the others?
0: Swear to me. Yeah. It was just stupid. Like, Like how over the top he was, Bale.
1: Yeah. And Bale doesn't have to go over the top. It's like you could have thought of something better.
0: Yeah, I mean, he could have like, gone. A, could have gone a different way. Like, and that's what I liked about Michael Keaton's Batman. He was just like so chill. Like, he's like, you know, I don't. It was, like, ra- it was almost mysterious.
1: Yeah, like, never, never raised his voice. Never, never went out of control. I mean, when he was beating the hell out of the Joker at the end of the film, you get that. Cause that's like personal revenge. Yeah, but it's like Keaton's Batman. Like, never raised his voice. No, nothing like that. Never was out of control. Yeah, never over the top. Yeah. Yeah, that, and they, I remember for that Batman, because Keaton was a comedy actor, it's like they had to do a screening, like show the audience, show like the public a little something, a little snippet of him as Batman. Yeah. Just like, okay, just to prove that he's a real deal, here's a little snippet. And it shut people up. It's like, okay, now y'all shut up? He, he, he can do it. Yeah. And funny thing, he's short too, so <laughs> he's probably standing on stilts in every scene he has with Jack Nicholson.
0: Yeah. Tom Cruise too, yeah. He's a peanut.
1: He's short, yeah. I mean, you see in the scene where he first meets Val Kilmer, it's like, damn, Iceman, Maverick. Maverick's really short. Yeah, shorter. He's shorter than his than, than his real
0: yeah. Goose. Yeah. And then I guess his son, right? It's gonna be in the film, Goose's son.
1: Goose's son, yeah. They, I doubt they'll bring Meg Ryan back.
0: No. She really didn't have that big of a part. Like, I mean, like she was like a small little supporting role.
1: Oh yeah, the, a lot of the women didn't have a didn't have that much of a part in the film. Yeah. At all, nah.
0: And you know what's kind of cool is Ed Harris is going to be in it. Really? Yeah he uh, he's going to have a part in it. And I feel like he kind of reminds me of the guy, a um,
1: uh, 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 Stinger, James Tolkien's character.
0: Yeah, where he's the he, he's like oh, you really see him on the carrier, like yeah. he's mm-hmm. got the hat on and the smoking the, the cigarettes,
1: smoking the cig the cigar. God damn it, Maverick!
0: Yeah, I feel like that that could be like uh, maybe he's playing it. Maybe he's playing that character, Ed Harris, but. Uh, but he does. I mean, he kind of looks like him.
1: He, he kind of looks like him. Kind of sounds like him too. If you hear Ed Harris in a conversation or see some of his roles, yeah, he's got. The, he's got. The, he's got that like that. That tough working class drawl to his voice.
0: Yeah, that's another guy. I feel like is so underrated, man.
1: He has not won an Oscar at all. It's it's sad. I mean, he's. He's been in a lot of shit that he should have won Oscars for.
0: Yeah. Pollock, like Westworld, he's really good in. Oh, like Westworld.
1: Give that man an Emmy for that.
0: Yeah, Apollo 13, he was awesome. Like
1: The Abyss, History yeah. of Violence, State of Grace.
0: History of Violence, I thought he was really good in. He,
1: I, he was really good in that, but he, his character was a dummy, though. I mean, think about it. Like, He wants revenge on Joey Cusack or, or, or Tom Stahl or whatever, right? Yeah. So if you know this guy as Tom Stahl, one of the most vicious mobsters in the Philadelphia Irish mob, and took out your eye with a barbed wire.
0: When you come with a lot more people, or yeah. Like... <laughs>
1: hey, why, why, why would you go to his house uh, with only with only two guys? with you? <laughs> exactly right. Like, and, and then you get killed by the dude's son, who who has almost uh, genetically inherited his pops' violent streak. Yeah, idiot. Yeah, dummy. <laughs> and, and, and William Hurt, the, the dude's brother in the film, he was a dummy too. Yeah, a sociopathic dummy who seemed removed from his emotions. But
0: he's like, how do you fuck that up?
1: how do do you you fuck fuck that that up up. (laughs) what do you do what are you gonna do give Give him him mouth to mouth that's one of the best lies what are you gonna do give him mouth to mouth did
0: you just see that little shit (laughs) and find my brother and kill his (laughs) kill his ass
1: and then when he he knows he's about to be killed he's looking for his keys he looks up oh joey jesus joey And doesn't even didn't even scared. think anything
0: was gonna happen. Didn't
1: he didn't think he was gonna be killed? Like, what did you expect? You just tried to have your brother garroted yeah. instead of having him shot. <laughs> tried to have him garroted. You turn your back. I'm like, Dude, just, just put a bullet in his ass if you feel that bad about it.
0: Of course, it had to be drawn out, right? Like,
1: it had to be at a showcase that Joey Cusack. He still he still got it, even though he's been playing another guy for years.
0: Yeah. And the whole time you think he's like this innocent dude, but.
1: No, 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 but what's it all? Yeah, he's really, he's really an ex-Irish crazy mobster, but he's been playing this other dude for so long. He believes it.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Uh, what, what a good movie. And and it is violent, man. It's typical David Cronenberg. Uh,
1: yeah. They didn't make the violence anything that's glamorous or should. They made it like, oh. Yeah. Hard to look at. Yeah. And even the sex scenes were hard to look at.
0: Yeah, they were pretty graphic. Like they—they
1: they were both pretty graphic. I mean, the scene—the scene at the beginning of the around the beginning of the film when him and his wife got the house to get to themselves at night. She dressed up like a cheerleader. It
0: looked like a, like a Cinemax movie or something, right? Well, it did because the way because the they were
1: in a sixty-nine position together and she wasn't wearing no panties.
0: <laughs> Jeez.
1: And then the second scene, the second when after she finds out he's really Joey Cusack, and she's turned on by that the, all them girls want bad boys thing. She slaps him. He chokes yeah, her. he tries sorry. to pull away but she's like, "Fuck that come back here. fuck me on the stairway hard." <laughs> and afterwards she's ashamed of what she did.
0: she was in uh you know what she was in it was a show called Goliath. Have you seen that yet? I've heard of it. dude, you got to watch that. Maria Bello. Maria Bello, yeah.
1: I saw her in a I saw her in this. I've seen her in a thank you for thank you for smoking yeah and uh oh, prisoners and a coyote ugly.
0: Yeah, Prisoners was a really good movie. Prisoners
1: was really good. I mean, I, I was waiting to the very end, like, what the hell actually is going on here? Yeah. And that and that that kid that you you're torturing, he's not the cause of this. Yeah. He he's too mentally stunned to be the kidnapper kid.
0: What was his name? Paul. Uh, Paul Dano. Paul Dano.
1: Yeah. He was in a what's it called? A There Will Be Blood. I just remember every scene where Daniel Day Lewis would kick his ass. <laughs>
0: He was in like I feel like he had a couple of cameos in Sopranos. Probably did. Yeah, I feel like most most of the, the really good actors like, you know, or like well known actors did have a cameo or two in Sopranos, right?
1: A lot of them did. And speaking of cameos, I remember we mentioned Adam Sandler's movies earlier, and uh, and to take it back to heart, back to our podcast for The Wire, uh, you remember the you remember aide in season four and season five, uh, Neil Neil Steindorf? Yeah. yeah. He was in Big Daddy. Actually, uh, it's a bit part. If you pause it just right, you see him. Yeah. You see him where they're th- when they're at the McDonald's. Okay. What's it called? Where he finds out breakfast McDonald's ends breakfast at ten thirty, which it no longer does, which makes us old. Yeah. But what's it called? Where the kid starts crying. He's like, "I wasn't cursing at you, kid. I was cursing at the lady." And the customer above him is like, "Great parenting." And Sam's like, "Thanks. What are you, my therapist? Take a walk." And takes <laughs> his toes and toses fries. That was that was Neil Huff. Oh Michael wow. Michael Seindorf. Nice. Like just one line. Great parenting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, this was awesome. Uh, enjoyed going over this soundtrack. Uh, huge fan of Stallone. Um, looking forward to hopefully catching that other movie, Last Blood.
1: Yeah, I see how it is. Let's if he if he can still pull something out with John Rambo, I'm with it. Yeah. Because what's it called? I remember I bought all the Rambo movies individually at first, and then when Rambo Four came out, then they put a four pack together. It's so like I got to get that. Yeah. But. Uh... They better not do like a five pack or whatever. I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of hoping this movie bombs. so I won't have to buy it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: because because I, I recently bought Lethal Weapon, all four Lethal Weapons in just one Blu-ray pack when I really just wanted to not buy the fourth one.
0: Yeah. it's there's always, it's always uh, you know, the money, right? Like
1: always the money. Yeah. They always got to make the money for it. I mean, even though it didn't come a decade after the third one, it came like five years after the third one or six or five, five or six years. But. Y'all didn't need to do it. I couldn't take it seriously, especially with Chris Rock up in there.
0: Yeah. And Die Hard. Yeah. Or, or, they overdid that one, too.
1: They overdid Live Free or Die Hard and, and dumbed it down, making it PG-13. Yeah. What the fuck are y'all thinking?
0: Yeah. You're I kidding. mean, they lost the edge with uh, the Die Hard series. Idiot.
1: They, they They did lose the edge, really. And they waited 13, 12 years after what's it called Die Hard with a Vengeance to do another one. You don't wait 10 years to do a, a sequel. Yeah. I mean, I still want to see Top Gun, and I, m- I might even see the Fourth Friday movie if they ever do it. Yeah. But I don't have faith in them being, like, up to par with any of their previous versions.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. But, hey, man, thanks for doing this. We'll uh, hopefully do another episode soon.
1: Oh, we will. We will. Most death
0: All right, man. Take it easy. You too, bro. This podcast is available on my YouTube channel, Roadtunes Reviews. It's also available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other major podcast distributors as well. So if you don't mind, please leave me some feedback. I'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Roadtunes Revs. I'm on Instagram, and I'm also on the Untapped app. My username is Brewtuned. This is Andrew signing off. Cheers.